Welcome back to So Wait Pause, the podcast where we pair a good and bad movie and get drunk while we do it. This is Ashley, and I'm with my favorite drinking buddy, Sean. Hey. Hi. What's up? I was actually just reading an article about what book was most popular. I don't know what that even means, if it's popular or best-selling in the year you were born. Where is this going? I don't know. I, that's, you asked what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> that's the last thing I did. That's literally what you're going to tell me. Yeah. But you know what? Uh, the book for 1989, according to whatever this is, is uh, The Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan. Have you read that? Nope. It's set in San Francisco in 1949. The story about four Chinese-American immigrant families who start a mahjong club. Sounds riveting. For 1990, it was The Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien, a book of short stories about the Vietnam War. Hmm. My book club had our uh, annual Christmas book swap. Yeah. Which is supposed to be like you bring like a book from like your book collection and like we basically play like Dirty Santa with it. Uh-huh. But we like all my books that I've had in like the past like 15 years are all on my Kindle. So I don't really have like books. Yeah. So I went and bought a copy of the new like complete like oral history of the Real Housewives. Jeez. <laughs> it was a popular book. Well, there you go. One of my favorites I've read this year. I can't even think about all the books I've read this year. I've read so many. Yeah, you read really fast. Well, I mean, I started the Dark Tower series too, and those are so long. There's so many one, and there's like they're like 700 to 1,000 pages apiece. So that's taken up a lot of my time this year. But I've, yeah. watched, I've read some other things. I've read a lot of nonfiction this year too, in addition to novels. Yeah. Speaking of novels, though, uh, that trailer that came out today... We talked about it earlier for uh, the new Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. I mean, not exactly a novel, but... Well, no, but... Well, Fantastic Beasts was... I guess she wrote the book based on the movie. Is that right? The the book was like a textbook. Well, no, I know that. But then she released a book that's the storyline of the movie. But it might have just been adapted from the screenplay. Oh, I didn't know that she did that. Yeah, they. I think they're just trying to add book copies. I was only aware of the like the textbook that she published. Yeah, that the movie is based off of. Yeah, I remember that and like the Beetle the Bard thing that she published. That was a long time ago. Yeah, but looks decent. Yeah, especially now that Johnny Depp is out out of there. Yeah, Mads Mikkelsen looks so much better. So much better. I just don't understand. So, like in some ways. Johnny Depp's Grindelwald did fit with some of the Harry Potter aesthetic because he looked kind of cartoonish, but so do characters like Mad-Eye Mooney. Here's the thing about Johnny Depp. I'll give him like earlier on in his career that like he was something, but now that he's just like washed up and like forces people to like say his lines in his ear because he's too lazy to learn his lines or do mm-hmm. anything related to what he's getting paid millions of dollars to do. Like, all he is, is looks like Johnny Depp trying to be a crazy character. Like, he, like I can't, I do not watch that, like that film and be like, oh my god, this feels like Grindelwald. It looks like, hey, look at Johnny Depp trying to do a new character. Right, yeah, that's how I feel. And so that was kind of getting to the point that I was about to say, is that his character is kind of cartoonish. And there are other cartoonish things in Fantastic Beasts and the rest of Harry Potter, like I said. But... It was cartoonish in a way that didn't fit with the rest of the characters to where it seemed more like just the average Tim Burton, Johnny Depp character. Because mm-hmm. like he had like the weird hair and like the the eye 
with the little scar through it and whatever. Mm -hmm. But like that didn't look villainous. It looked cartoonish. Right. And now that they showed what Mads Mikkelsen looks like, who played like a similar looking, like the way that they had made Grindelwald look in the past movies looks like a little bit like Mads Mikkelsen looked like in Casino Royale. Mm -hmm. But when they showed him in this, obviously they did a complete character redesign. Mm -hmm. But Mads Mikkelsen looks so much more like villainous and scary. Right. And like he's only in a few scenes from the trailer, but he looks much more like realistic than Johnny Depp did. I agree. Johnny Depp just looked, I don't know, it's like it's like he bleached his hair white. Mm-hmm. Like in a bathtub. I don't know, that seems weird to me. Yeah, it's rough. I'm excited to see that one though. I'm extremely excited that Spider-Man's coming out this week. Yeah, we're going to see it this weekend. Yeah, by the time this comes out, it will, will have been out for a while, but probably. Yeah, well. um, we watched a movie this week that you said it's like one of your favorites that you've ever seen. Oh yeah, so uh, this was a conversation where we were trying to just figure out what to watch. And I was like, okay, I want to watch this. And Ashley was like, I just don't know what to watch. And I was like, yeah, I really want to watch this movie. And she was like, hmm, I'm going to scroll through a list of every movie for like 40 minutes and then not know what to watch. And at the end of that 40 minutes, she was like, ah, I just don't, I mean, we could watch this one. And I was like, I want to watch this one movie. So luckily we finally watched it. That's a semi-accurate portrayal of what was happening. It's just because it was like a coming-of-age story in the synopsis. Look, the synopsis said, boys living off the land for a summer. If you want a textbook telling me a movie I don't want to watch, living off the land in the quote of like the synopsis is definitely the type of movie I don't want to watch. Yeah, but I also described to you that, that's, that it wasn't that type of movie, that it was about them trying to run away from home and create like a a place in the forest right to live off the land but they're not like tilling the land okay but just like in that like one sentence synopsis so this movie had come out in 2013 and i guess we should tell you what movie we're talking about because we haven't even said that yeah no you can Uh, guess what it is you won't guess it (laughs) kings of summer is that what it was called yeah the kings of summer yeah so it came out in 2013 and it has like a very strong like cast and it has the guy who played love simon He's the main, yeah. the main character in this. Why can't I remember his name? I like him. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But he was in this. And a couple of the other people, like, so it's a group of kids. Mm-hmm. A, a couple of the other ones were in a few things, but not much. But then Nick Offerman is in this mm-hmm. from Parks and Rec. You have Allison Brie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Megan Mullally. I can't remember the guy's name, but he is Captain Holt's uh, husband yeah. in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's in that. He's in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I can't. I just can't remember his name off the top of my head. Camille Nanjiani is in a scene. Yeah. But we, like we saw like a whole bunch. Tom of, Middle Ditch. Oh yeah, he's like a random character. Yeah. We kept seeing people like that throughout yeah. the whole movie. The whole thing is, is like what this actually was was like an indie comedy. Mm-hmm. Ashton kept trying to tell me what this was by just reading the one sentence synopsis that was provided. He was like, "And they live off the land." It's supposed to be a comedy. Like, those two things are not going to sell me on a movie. I tried so many times to tell you that it's more like Lady Bird-ish. No, you didn't. You did not. I directly said. You did not. When we got into an argument (laughs) (laughs) over the movie, you brought that up, but that was not a selling point. (laughs) Well, regardless, this movie was very good, and you should definitely watch it. (laughs) It was a great movie. (laughs) If you are worried about kids living in a house that they built in the woods... Don't be, because <laughs> this is good. 
the jokes are really funny. The dialogue is really good. The dialogue is really good. And I looked it up, and the guy who wrote this did never really wrote anything else. He was just a writer for David Letterman. Yeah, it's it's good. It had strong uh, Brixby Barrier vibes, which is yeah, very similar to that. I, it's I'd say it was a little bit le- uh, less absurd than Brixby Bear because mm-hmm. I feel like Kyle Mooney in general mm-hmm. does absurdist humor. Honestly, to me, I thought this was Camille Nanjiani humor. Yeah. So I kind of thought he might have been like a co-writer or something, but he wasn't. No, and he's literally like one scene that was less than a minute, but he had a really funny scene. Yeah, and his jokes in that scene are very much like his jokes in other movies that he's in. Yeah. Like uh, The Big Sick. Yeah. It's very similar. And his stand-up, which he doesn't really do stand-up much that anymore. You know, mm-hmm. that's where he started, and then he hasn't, since he blew up, I guess he doesn't really do stand-up anymore. Right. Um, he did something more recently. I saw a picture of him actually from when he was like bulking up. To, like, get really, like, muscular for his Marvel role. Mm-hmm. And uh, people were taking pictures of him because I guess he toured during that time frame. Because mm-hmm. he did, like, a dirty bulk where you just eat whatever you want and gain weight and then lose it all later. That's so nice. there was a there was a short time frame where he got, like, kind of chunky because he was dirty bulking. And then he, like, went through his cut and now he's, like, ripped. Because as we saw in Eternals, Camille Nanjiani is now like, <laughs> has like a rock hard six pack and like. And also deep cut for people who were raised by Disney. One of the kids in it is uh, Moses Arias, who plays Rico in Hannah Montana. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> who was he? <laughs> he was like the weird kid that was funny. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. There were so many funny scenes that that, that kid said. Because he's also like just out, off the wall. Mm-hmm. Um. And the one was uh, the main character is like telling that weird kid like, hey, why don't you go like talk to those ladies over there? And he's like, I can't. Uh, I'm gay. <laughs> and he was like, you're gay? And he was like, yeah, every season I get fluid in my lungs. <laughs> and he was like, man, I think that's cystic fibrosis. <laughs> and he was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's like kind of absurd. But the way it's delivered seems so normal. Right. <laughs> which is why it's not like off the wall type yeah. humor. But. It's definitely know. a comedy that I enjoy, which is far and few between. Yeah. And honestly, like the the humor in Love, Simon was also a little bit similar to this. So it makes sense, like why this guy, uh, that guy went on to do the role of Simon. Mm-hmm. And now I guess that's going to Hulu. It's already been there as Love, Victor. Did it have good reviews? I have no clue. Because hmm. we really liked the movie. Mm-hmm. I, I love the movie. It was I, really really, good. I guess I didn't really hear about the TV show until more recently. Yeah. Well, anyway, if you are interested in watching a little bit older of a movie, but I think it's pretty short. I think it was like an hour and a half or an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. It's very funny. I'm, I'm not going to say it's like heartwarming, but it's, it's, it's kind of a feel good movie. It's definitely not like depressing. There are very brief moments of like, you know, being real and, and whatever. But uh, I think it was great. It was like one of my favorite movies I've seen recently just because it was so well done. It reminded me a lot of like the writing quality of an eighth grade or Ladybird. Maybe yeah. not quite to those levels, but right. in the same vein. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, I'm so excited that it is my movie night. I have had these picks in my back pocket since like August or September. Mm-hmm. And I just haven't had the opportunity to bring them to the show. Mm-hmm. I'm like giddy over it. <laughs> okay. Giddy. I hope these uh, are very good. You seem like Leblon. Yeah. You don't remember anything about it? Nope. <laughs> I remember like the general premise. I remember when she creates like the uh, the tape to get into school. Mm-hmm. I remember that. 
Well, yeah, so the good movie tonight is Legally Blonde. I know that some people might argue that it's not a good movie, and I will fight those people, but I am happy to say that it is certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. So I mean, I, it's no miscongeniality, but... Ugh, not even close. <laughs> this is just a cult classic that then created my favorite musical, not my favorite, but one of my favorite musicals, Legally Blonde the Musical, can sing every single lyric of it, can quote every single word of it, and this is what started it all. Weird that we've never seen that. It's not on Broadway anymore. Oh, uh, is it not touring at all? I mean, it came out when I was in high school. Hmm. I've seen it three times on Broadway, though. <laughs> well, there you go. And then to go for my bad movie, we're doing A Cinderella Story with one Hilary Duff and Chad Michael Murray. But the true star is Jennifer Coolidge, who is in both our movies tonight. I have definitely never seen that. Yeah. Tonight's definitely like a very light rom-com night, which I think is nice after just watching Hereditary and uh, House on Haunted Hill. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think that, well, House on Haunted Hill was not, I don't know what that was. <laughs> it wasn't dark and foreboding. It was ridiculous. From the way that Lizzie McGuire worked when you picked that early before mm -hmm. the podcast, mm -hmm. I think that that um, might be a really great movie. Because I remember we really loved drinking to Lizzie McGuire. So if the, if also Hillary Duff movies are kind of in that same yeah. vein, which I assume they are, yep, I think it's going to work. I think it is too. So in case you've been living under a rock, I'll read the synopsis real quick. So Elle Woods has it all. She wants nothing more than to be Miss Mrs. Warner Huntington III. But there's one thing stopping him from proposing. She's too blonde. Elle rallies all of her resources to get into Harvard, determined to win him back. It came out in 2001, and so it's like 20 years old now. Wow. God, I'm so excited about this. For drinking rules, we are using realdrinkinggames.com, which is the website that kind of started it all for us on our drinking nights. Mm -hmm. So we're going to drink every time there's a scene in a courtroom or beauty salon, which is okay. excellent. Yeah. Elle wears pink. Excellent. A legal term is used. L wins an argument or proves a point against her classmates. And Pooh Bear is said. Pooh Bear? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to add a rule specifically for us tonight, but if you are somebody who knows us movies backwards and forwards like I do, and you're watching it with someone, this can definitely be a rule for you as well. We're also going to drink any time that I can say the quote exactly as it's happening. Okay. I don't know if that's going to be enjoyable, but, <laughs> but okay. But it's going to happen regardless when I drink to it. Okay. <laughs> I agree. I promise I won't quote the whole movie, but there's just times where you can't not say it out loud. You know what's weird is that there's a lot of movies I've watched a hundred million times. I can't necessarily quote them word for word. I know like big quotes, you know, like when they come mm -hmm. up, but I, I don't, I don't know if I ever have memorized a movie the way you have, where it's like, it's almost a script verbatim. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Well, are you ready to go do this? Yeah. Okay. And so we're back from watching Legally Blonde. Tell me you loved it or I divorce you. I loved it. <laughs> this is an opportunity no. to get an easy divorce show. <laughs> I thought it was really good. I remember, I mean, I've seen this before. I've seen both of them before, but it's been a long time. I, I can't remember how I saw it. Um, I don't think I saw it in theaters, so it's probably at a friend's house or on TV or something like that. But I know I've seen it. I remember most of the movie. I don't didn't remember the end, mm. the like the court scene. Wow, so. it's one of the most iconic parts. Yeah, so I, maybe I didn't watch the full thing. I don't know. 
This has been a long time. I mean, this thing came out, what, 2001? Yep. So, yeah, it's been a long time. I, it's not like something I would watch every year, or at least that I have watched every year. But it, I thought it was really funny. There were moments that made me laugh out loud. Similar humor to, like, Mean Girls. Yeah, it's like one of those, it's like, I wouldn't want to watch a movie like this that's being made in current day. Like, it's definitely not the type of movie I like. But this movie is just one of those perfect movies to me. And it holds up so much. Well, you mentioned it not being a movie that we would watch today. This has so many, like, early 2000s issues that comedies have. Oh, God, yes. Not just, like, the offensive speech, but, like, there's other random things, like... So it's like, uh, there's one, one of the things that we drink to throughout the whole movie is when they go to a nail salon. So mm-hmm. they, they're in nail salons a lot. And when they're in California, they go to like an Asian nail salon. I don't know if they're like Chinese or Vietnamese or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And her friend is like, ching chong, ding dong, ding dong. Mm-hmm. like, and they're pretending that that's her actually speaking the language. But like, do you know it's not her actually speaking I the mean, language? It sounded like not. Because you kind of sound like the asshole if you're wrong. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but like, I don't know. You're right. But (laughs) it's just, it's such a like early 2000s thing to do though. Yeah, I agree. What it reminded me a lot of is that this clip resurfaced recently of The Rock from back when he was wrestling in the early 2000s. And there's this like clip of him and he was like, I have something to say to you in Chinese. Like like he just does that whole thing. So it's like such a like, yeah, it's so cringy. And, like, it kind of felt like that's what they were doing. So, like, maybe they were actually speaking Chinese or, or Vietnamese or whatever they were speaking. I don't know. I, I wouldn't put it past them to just make it up. Because that's, like, what they did in this time period. It's, like, the beer fest type cultural sensitivity, right? Yeah. Well, hopefully that wasn't what was happening here. But if it was, I agree completely. Not cool. Right. Well, and, I mean, there's a lot of other things that go on in this. The biggest one that we both kind of called out is the idea that when they get to the trial that the pool boy they discover well l discovers that he's gay because he knows what shoes she's wearing yeah like literally she proves this by going up to her ex-boyfriend and being like what type of shoes are these and he's like uh black (laughs) and she's like see only gay men know about shoes It's just like it, it's highly problematic. <laughs> I mean, there's but there's a lot of scenes like that in this movie. Yeah. So I don't know. It's not like the most egregious that I've seen by far. Yeah. There are way worse. Um. So uh, it's just a product of that time and uh, the early, <laughs> the early two thousands loved this type of of humor. They also use like the R word and stuff like that. So yeah, there's just one instance of the R word being said casually, which. Wasn't cool. Sadly, by Jennifer Gulledge. <laughs> Sadly. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of like sexual harassment type things too. Not just with the actual sexual harassment that happens by the law professor, but also by the UPS man who just, it's like, it's played off as like this hunky UPS man that comes in and smolders at everybody. But in like real life, <laughs> this, <laughs> this man would just be like, he's like literally the character from a sexual harassment video. Right. Like the things you have to watch at work that are like, Here's what not to do in a workplace Right, is what this man does. He's like literally exclusively carrying packages like at crotch level mm-hmm. and then being like, can you sign for this? Right. And like making direct unbreaking eye contact. Right. Can you imagine getting something at work and somebody came in like that every day? No. You'd call like the police. I would. <laughs> or at least their employer. But she ends up marrying him and having a baby named Elle. <laughs> Dream big, guys. Because this movie also pulls the end scene where it tells you details about their upcoming life. Which I love. 
Yeah, I mean, like, we've gotten away from that. But that's yeah. definitely, like, a 90s and 2000s thing. I want all movies to give me, like, a epilogue of, like, what's happened. Yeah. The only dumb one about this was when she gets with Luke Wilson. The one for her is, like, they've been dating for two years. He's going to propose tonight. I love it. I don't know. That's the dumbest one. As Hoku's perfect day is playing. Oh, I don't so know. Good. You want to know my favorite thing about this movie? What? Elle Woods is such a good person. She's really beautiful and she's really popular and she's always kind to people, no matter how rude they are to her. Mm-hmm. I just love that. She's like the opposite of the mean girls. Exactly. Because she's like, like she has kind. every opportunity to be a mean girl and never will be one. Right. That's true. I haven't seen many characters like that. I know. She's just such a good person. I love her so much. By today's standards, this like way overdoes Valley Girl vibes, you know, yeah, like for sure. it's like so exaggerated and she's just constantly, I mean, it's all about clothes and nails and like she literally like Tokyo drifts into a parking space because she <laughs> sees a nail salon. Like that's the type of thing I think wouldn't fly in today's standards, but you know. Yeah. However, beyond that, I think that this movie isn't, like, entirely unprogressive because they do, like, raise the whole, like, she gets into it to get back at her ex, but then ends up, like, developing and realizes that she doesn't need exactly be in law school for somebody else and, and, what, and whatever. So, it's, like, that's a little bit progressive for the time period. You know, they portray the classically feminine person as also smart, mm-hmm. like, but legitimately smart. Mm-hmm. But the way they portray her as legitimately smart is inconsistent <laughs> because sometimes it's like when she's shopping for a dress mm-hmm. and she like schools the woman on like, mm-hmm. this is why you can't do that. And mm-hmm. like, blah, blah, blah. You're trying to fool me, but I'm too smart for that. That's like street smarts type stuff that she mm-hmm. was bringing up there. But when she's like academically like book smart, <laughs> it's very inconsistent <laughs> because she got into Harvard by studying for like a single summer or a single end of term. Mm-hmm. So not for that long. It's not like she dedicated her like undergraduate studies to Mm -hmm. like practicing for the LSAT and getting into an Ivy League law school. Mm -hmm. But she studies for that, gets a near perfect, if not almost, it's like virtually perfect score on the LSAT, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like top scoring on this uh, exam. Yet when she gets to Harvard, which is notoriously difficult and like they're really playing up in this movie, like the liberal arts style instruction of like saying random quotes from ancient philosophers and like can you recognize blah, 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 and like define like blah, blah, blah. They really play that up. And yet what they're saying is very basic. So like, it's like someone wrote an Ivy League classroom scene without actually knowing what goes on in an Ivy League classroom. Right. Right. Because it's like the first thing they do is just quote Aristotle, which like that's just the most overplayed thing I've ever heard of in my life. Right. Mm-hmm. Aristotle and Plato, like I'm sure they still get quoted in some classes. That is so, so beyond overdone at this point, right? Nobody's sitting around quoting Aristotle for the the most part. But they start off with that and it's like, identify who said this quote. Like, okay, that's whatever. I could see maybe some Harvard professor doing that. But then it gets to Elle, who is, we now know, like a genius because she like aced this exam with like almost no study time. It really plays up how smart she is throughout the rest of the movie. Mm -hmm. But here she is where it's like, what is the first step <laughs> to filing a claim to filing a claim <laughs> providing evidence like that is the most like seventh grade understanding of law that like which the best part is that then the professor says which means and she's like that you would need evidentiary support to file your claim she literally <laughs> defined what is evidence as evidence providing evidence <laughs> <laughs> i mean 
I don't know. It, it, to me, you know, there's that. There's also a lot of scenes where she's like, when she's like new to law school still, she's like faking legal jargon where she's just mixing things together and saying random legal terms like habeas corpus. But it like doesn't make any sort of sense together. But the people she's talking to are like too dumb to understand what she's saying. Because like the the main scene I'm thinking about is when she helps Jennifer Coolidge get her dog back from her Mm ex-husband or whatever. Or boyfriend, I don't know who he was. Uh, He lives in an alleyway in a streamline Mm -hmm. (laughs) RV or whatever. But the whole time it's just like if you aced, like got a perfect score on the LSAT, you wouldn't have to like completely make up legal jargon this much like (laughs) certainly there is legal jargon in the LSAT (laughs) like like, certainly there is more complicated things than what you just said that you would have had to understand to pass that again likely because the movie was written by someone with absolutely no legal experience that is accurate Uh, as shown by the trial (laughs) where you can literally just like talk to someone about their perm and when uh (laughs) you you win the whole thing well legal, legal terms and jargon was one of our drinking rules and I'm giving this movie a 9 out of 10 for drinking. Uh, Yeah, I was going to give it an 8 because I thought it was very solid. Things did, I guess, uh, stick out when they were legal jargon stuck out. uh, Pink stuck out. Uh, Beauty salon or courtroom was a good one. Uh, Pooh Bear was... Oh, that's true, yeah. Was good. It was good. And then Sean made me insecure, so I didn't quote that much. (laughs) Still quoted. Just a little. I was just joking about that anyway. Well, you got me to shut up. (laughs) (laughs) My whole point was that you know when you're in a room with someone and they're just like saying the lines to something? Yeah, sure, but we're not married to those people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's something. I, I remember that being a thing, the whole like bend and snap or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand what that is. That's not a thing. The bend and snap. It, I'm just, I'm confused because in my head, I can see like a Jessica Rabbit style, like what that should look like Mm -hmm. which would be bending and then snapping at the hips Mm -hmm. but it's not it's bending and then like rob schneidering your hands up to your boobs (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean it looks weird yeah it does look really fucking weird even when the people who know quote quote how to do it Mm -hmm. do it it doesn't look like something you've ever seen in in, like real life right but you know what i'm talking about like the jessica rabbit thing like where you like slowly go down your leg and yeah. then you like pop your hips out yeah that's a thing that's existed since like i'm sure like the 30s or, right. or something like this that. this one is like it's just like framing your boobs and like looking like you're playing like a furry animal or something right but you're doing that literally popping straight up from bending over mm-hmm. so it looks real weird right. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me a lot of how Robert, rob schneider pretends to be a woman in hot Chick. oh god you know what I mean, though? Me. But you can see it. PTSD. You can see what I mean. Yeah. Well, what are you rating this movie, Sean? Um, I thought it was really good. I put in out the things that I found, like, weird about it and, and whatever. But those aren't, like, necessarily the things to kill the movie or anything like mm-hmm. that. Uh, I, I still thought it was really funny. I think it, for the most part, holds up. There are a lot of funny quotes and references. And if you're, like, looking to be stuck in the past <laughs> you get to see like all the random stuff that she does uh that is straight from 2001 like buying that colored uh like, like the, the uh MacBooks. it's the the old macbooks though that used to be like red or blue or Orange. whatever yeah and they had the same like the desktop versions mm-hmm. that were mm-hmm. had the plastic on the sides yeah you see a lot of those in the background that was like a blast from my past <laughs> of like being in circuit city or somewhere like you know or fries and her landline cordless phone had the full like pink furry cover on it 
Yeah, and the notebooks, like the heart-shaped yeah. frilly notebooks. And like, the pens with like the feathers on the top. I'm sure that stuff still exists. Oh, absolutely. Somewhere, but like go it's look not in my common. office. Yeah. So just, you know. he just said, yeah. I said, go look at my office. And you said, oh. yeah. Oh no. I was I was just saying, yeah. <laughs> you like, weren't paying attention to what I was saying. No, I was <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, uh, I'm you did have something that had fur on it. No, I did not. I mean, I have a lot of things that have fur on it, but I don't have pens that have fur no, on it. No, 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 not pens. I thought you did have a journal or notebook that I've seen before that had some sort of fake fur on it. No. No way. Oh, man. This is like bringing such like a vivid image I to my like mind. I like you're like thinking of like a Mary-Kate and Ashley episode and trying to describe it to me. No, I'm, I'm thinking of like, maybe it was when we went through your old journals. What did they have on them? Were they I never didn't. I didn't have any furry ones. Hmm. Maybe I'm just misremembering. But the one that you found from middle school did look like a middle school girl's notebook. Oh, man. I should bring that back before when we come back on the next segment since we're watching movies from middle school. Yeah. Bring my... Uh, that's, see, I was calling myself dumb blonde because I loved Legally Blonde. Yeah. And you said, what's the other tie that you had to Legally Blonde? You brought it up during the movie. Oh. <laughs> but I was... I would spray pieces of paper with perfume before. That's so weird. Before like giving like passing notes with friends, and then I talked about how this guy in a high or middle school. Wait, did we talk about him on the podcast? The Church of the Living Room guy. I don't remember. No, yeah, 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 we did. You did because during the uh, eighth grade. Yeah. episode you you did talk about because you read okay. your journal okay so um church jonathan free hey what's up jonathan um you're not listening to this God, i hope not he like for some reason like let me borrow a scarf or something it was something completely innocuous like it was mm. not like it was not flirting whatsoever but i was like and you uh, weren't dating right oh no you did not care about me one bit yeah but i was gonna marry that boy <laughs> but i mean i was going like full taylor swift like all too well on that scarf <laughs> like <laughs> like trying to keep it as long as i could and i doused that shit and my victoria's secret like angel perfume before i gave it back to him i was like so he knows it smells like me <laughs> you probably had to burn it probably set on fire because i sprayed so much of that perfume on it you know when we were talking about that <laughs> you, you mentioned that you sprayed it with perfume and i asked if it was a victoria's secret perfume and the reason i asked that is because for whatever reason, I guess that was like a really common place to buy perfume. Right. Like, was that true? Yeah, I mean. Okay. Because like half the girls I went to high school with, that's where they that, got it. Or you got like the little aerosol bottles of Tommy Girl, like that, and the hmm. Victoria's Secret sprays were like you were it. Huh. Well, I so, think Victoria's Secret might even sold the Tommy Girl sprays. Uh, well, so the reason I bring it up though is that like, uh, like half the girls I dated in high school wore Victoria's Secret that like. 20 or $40 one, right? It's like yeah. definitely way cheaper than real perfume or whatever. Right. And one of them bought me cologne <laughs> from Victoria's from Secret. Victoria's Secret. <laughs> so like it was in the back, like you could see it from the entrance, you know, and like there was like two, literally two bottles of men's cologne. <laughs> and the one that she got me, I remember it so vividly because it smelled like shit. One, <laughs> it did not smell good. Two, it was like... <laughs> I guess it was maybe it was like the background made it look like this or I don't I don't know what it was, but it was like pink on the bottom, orange in the middle and like blue on top. It was like multi is like tri tone. Oh my God, I, I can visualize it. And it's called like Summer Breeze or something like that. So is this a bad time to tell you that the clone I gave you today is an early Christmas gift. It's from Victoria's Secret. Is that where you bought it? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, I, know, I know where this is. from. I've, uh, I've owned this this brand before. <laughs> Uh, but no, I, it, when I got that, I was like, oh, thanks. It was like such like a, like, it doesn't look like anything that I would have ever seen before. 
And in in a lot of ways, oh it looked God, like I perfume. Have to, I, have to look, I have to see if we can. It looked like perfume that. because it was you know like that multicolored and it was all kind of like pastel ish yeah. colors. I don't know if it was trying to look like a sunset on the beach or something like that, but I don't know. That is that's my first experience with uh, cologne because that's the first bottle I ever owned. That was probably when I was like fourteen. <laughs> that was your first bottle of cologne. Yeah, because like I said, I was about 14, and my parents would never buy me cologne. It's too expensive, you know? Yeah. I was trying to see if I could find... Well, all their stuff today looks like legit shit, but, like, there has to be something. I'm, it was called Summer Something. Maybe, like, Summer Sunset? Sounds like a... Like a... Oh, my God. I think I found it. Did you find it? <laughs> but it's multi, multicolored, right? Wait, 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 wait. Oh, man. So the thing is, like, I bought that, and then I upgraded at the, my senior year when I could actually, like, you know, I had my own money and could buy things. That's when I went and bought Kenneth Cole Black, and that's what I wore for a long time, that, which is like a real cologne. You know, that's like one that's like $100 or, right. or $80 or something like that. Uh, but yeah, so my, but the first one that I wore for at least a year was whatever that one was from Victoria's Secret. Oh my god, the the perfume that are wasn't really a perfume. You can't really call it that. But the scent from Victoria's Secret that was like the scent mm. was Love Spell. It came in a purple bottle. It smelled like tutti fruity shit with like a hint of vanilla. <laughs> I'm sure I remember that, yeah. Uh, but you didn't find the one that I said. No. Every I'll look time it up I later. think every time I think I found it, it's something else. It's in like a rectangular bottle. Well, because, like, I keep finding this one thing, but when I click on it, it's not, like, what it was showing me. To my memory, and this was a long time ago, at the time, there were just two. And one was, like, blue, and it was mm -hmm. try probably trying to look like ocean water or something like that. And then the other one was that tri-toned one. It might have even had more, co like, colors than that, but I just remember there was at least, like, a violet color and an orange color in there. <laughs> There's a multicolor bottle called Endless Days of Summer, but that looks like a woman's fragrance no 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 they have something called bombshell summer no oh wait oh my god <laughs> is this it no oh. but n no but that, that, see now it could be what is that one called uh very sexy summer <laughs> <laughs> no no i don't think so but i mean so the thing is i'm sure the bottle and everything looks so different now than it yeah. did back then yeah so uh i don't know if it's picking up on the mic uh, in the final episode but our furnace sounds like there's a dead cat in it <laughs> Well, it's just like, yeah, it's like, I don't know if, if the slats are too close together or what, but it's like reverberating. Sounds horrible. Yeah, it sounds really bad. I don't know why. Okay, wait, did you say what you rated this movie? No. <laughs> I rated Summer Breeze a 9 out of 10. Um, okay, so in terms of rating Legally Blonde, I would say that it would be... Again, this makes me feel like it, it reminds me a lot of Mean Girls. Mm -hmm. I probably like Mean Girls a little bit more. It's a more traditional comedy. Yeah. I'm going to give this an 84. Okay. I think that's decent. Yeah, it is. If you had gone out of the 80s, I probably would have said, like, we can't be together. No, I think it's worth being in the 80s. I mean, it's definitely like a um, flagship thing that mm -hmm. had an impact on other comedies going forward. Right. For and sure. Legally Blonde would have to have been some sort of influence on movies like Mean Girls. Yeah, for sure. Along with other movies like Clueless and, and mm -hmm. whatever. That would have been an influence on this. And then, mm -hmm. you know. For sure. Uh, I'm doing a 93. 93? Yeah, this is, I loved, I mean, it's been years since I've watched this movie, and I, I loved it even more, like, I enjoyed re-watching it more than I anticipated. It just made me happy. Like, it just made me happy, and happy people don't shoot their husbands. They just don't. <laughs> so, you're good. Yeah. For now. <laughs> um, 
What? God, you gotta cut that out because <laughs> that's gonna be used as evidence to like murder you later on. <laughs> I'm definitely not cutting this out. <laughs> Please help. Stop! Call Reese. Call Reese. Stop! <laughs> Philip is not in the shower. <laughs> or I guess I should say that Ash is not in the shower. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, were you ready for our next movie? Yeah, uh, so I don't know anything about this. So you're going to have to read the synopsis. Yeah. By the way, what do you think the rotten score is for Legally Blonde? Um, for critics, I'd say probably in like the upper 60s or low 70s. 70 even. Yeah, I could see it because it's not like an indie comedy. It's hard for these types of movies to get really solid ratings. Right. Okay, so we're watching a Cinderella story. God, I'm so excited for you to watch this. Yeah. Um, so Sam, played by Hilary Duff, is a teenager in California and is obliged to work as a janitor and dishwasher at the diner of her stepmother, played by one Jennifer Coolidge. After a cell phone mix-up, Sam begins an anonymous text messaging and email relationship with a boy. They agree to meet at a school dance, but when Sam finds out that her secret pen pal is none other than Austin Ames, Chad Michael Murray, the cutest boy in school, she panics and looks for a way to make herself cooler. Hmm. So I haven't seen this one. So what, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm thinking is because I get a shot in the dark. Oh, yeah. You so before you read the drinking rules, I want to be able to, to guess on that. Okay. That's not a lot to go off of, but it is fitting. So it's a modern retelling of Cinderella, essentially. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming it has to have those scenes. Like, So she lost her phone. There's some type of cell phone mix-up. Oh, okay, so it's not like a slipper. She didn't leave it, and he's going to give it back to her. It's like he will have to give it back to her, but because they swapped Something happens. I was trying to think how you could do the, like, does the slipper fit on your foot with a phone? Mm-hmm. I guess you'd have to do it with your password. Because <laughs> this is, like, before facial recognition. So I think this is before passwords, like phone passwords. Uh, I think they still had, like, four-digit pens and things like that that you could um, lock them yeah, with. Yeah, I think you're right. But yeah, you're right. It's probably a lot of people left them locked, mm-hmm. unlocked at this point in time. But I just can't think of, like, what else it would be. Is this your phone background, maybe? Or, like, is this your pen? I don't know, like, how else can you prove that it's your phone in a slipper-type sense? Again, these are, like, digitized Nokias. These are not, like, smartphones. <laughs> right, yeah, that's that's tough. I don't know, so maybe I shouldn't base it on that. That's what I was going to try to go off of, is mm-hmm. trying to guess how they could pull off the slipper moment. If that's the case... So, I, I've guessed this before, and it, I have, like, a 90% certainty that it's going to happen, is that there's going to be the montage scene of trying on dresses. Okay. If she's going to go from being whoever to trying to make herself cooler mm-hmm. and it's like a Cinderella type story, I mm-hmm. think that there's definitely going to be like a scene at the mall or something where she is trying on a bunch of clothes. I have a good feeling that that's going to happen. Yep. Okay. So as far as drinking rules go, I found one on Tumblr. I can't even read the title of this Tumblr because they don't understand it. The only disease you get yelled at for having... That's like the title Wait, of the Tumblr. The oh. <laughs> title is the only disease you get yelled at for having. Like drinking? Is that what? Like what? I the- guess alcoholism or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> just, just read the rules. <laughs> okay. So drink when anyone says drought. Is it drought or drought? Wait, what? <laughs> is it drought or drought? What is the context? If you're saying, like, when there's no rain. Okay, that's a drought. Okay, it's not called a drought. No. <laughs> Okay. That's all you had to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, salmon is referenced. A college name is said. Frogs are referenced. Anyone says Cinderella. Carter is wearing a new costume. 
Carter's the the love interest, or no? Who's Carter? I think it's her friend. Oh, okay. And like, I think there's a rule around John Michael Murray changing costumes. I don't know. <laughs> I'm adding my own rule, which is a finisher drink rule, mm-hmm. which is when she says to Austin Ames, "Because waiting for you is like waiting for rain in this drought, useless and disappointing." <laughs> Not a drought. Not a drought. <laughs> did you did you honestly think it was drought? I kind of got confused. Like I hadn't said the word drought in a while. Like, yeah, like, but here's the thing: drought is a word. Drought is not a word. But like you know, sometimes like when you read things in your head, and your internal voice says words, and you just don't ever think about if your if your head is pronouncing them right. And in my head, it was reading it as drought. No, wait, drought. <laughs> and then, but like my mouth knew I needed to say drought. But then I got got confused, and I was like, wait, my mouth is wrong a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Your mouth is wrong a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess. I have that experience with Hermione. You know, like reading that, like, uh, uh, w- before the movies came out, I, I definitely oh, thought it was like Herm- one, Hermione or like or something like that. What is the one? It was like a word yesterday that I said out loud and I was like, oh, I could have F that up real fast. It's like a place in Europe. What country? I think it's in like the UK. Or my, it might have been something in France. I don't know. It's a word that like sounds completely different from how it's spelled. But like in my head, I say it like how it's spelled. But like out loud, you should say it how it sounds. I can't even begin to think what that might be. Yeah, it'll come to me. Okay, time to <laughs> pour another draught and get on to uh, watching the movie. So annoying. Bye. Let's <laughs> go see Chad Michael Murray change all the costumes. <laughs> We're back from watching a Cinderella story. If there's anything that this movie did was remind me how horrible the early aughts were. It also reminded me how bad of an actress. <laughs> I told you she's like the worst. I am so interested to see how I met your father with her and it just to see like like did she have some like growth that like gave her this new role? Is that still slated to come out? Yeah, they've came out with the the trailer for it. It's coming out probably in the next couple months. Huh. What, on the same channel? Yeah, CBS. Huh, weird. Home of Young Sheldon. I don't know. The acting was pretty bad. Now, Jennifer Coolidge's acting, I don't think, was very bad. I think that was like she, she is. spot on and, exactly what you needed. Right, yeah. I, I, that made sense to me. Um, I don't know. Her, like, friend who's always changing clothes and whatever. I, I forgot his name already. Well, he, I thought, was Carter. fine. Carter yeah, he was, he was fine. Chad Michael Murray mm-hmm. was exactly how he is and everything i've ever seen him in her friend carter is the guy who was an easy a who was gay and basically told him a stone like you can say you slept with me yeah and i can say i slept with you and you right know, yeah yeah kind of kicked off the entire plot of easy a right yeah um speaking of jennifer coolidge though she had one of my favorite quote quotes so this takes place in california mm-hmm. and uh they're in a drought and they keep talking about the drought, drought? Huh? Or is it a drought? No, it's a drought. Uh, they're in a drought, though. And uh, as you said, there's a, a quote that has to do with, with droughts. But this quote, uh, it was from Jennifer Coolidge. And she said, droughts are for poor people. Because <laughs> she's out, like, profusely watering her lawn with, like, with right. the sprinklers. And they also have, like, a pool in the back. And they're, like, pumping water into, right. like, all this other stuff. And not only a pool, but also a tanning bed mm-hmm. is in their backyard. 
Which is more confusing, you know, given like electricity and stuff. Yeah, I'm also a little confused how like that house doesn't look that nice, but it has a tanning bed in the back and a pool and all this other stuff. Jennifer Coolidge acts like she's like insanely wealthy. Right. But all she did was inherit a diner. Yeah. Like she isn't particularly wealthy. (laughs) It's not like she comes from like old money and it's not like the father who dies, surprise, surprise, because it's based on Cinderella, right? <laughs> so, like, she's raised <laughs> by her evil stepmother. But the father, he it's not like he's particularly wealthy either. I mean, the moral of the story is that if you open up a Waffle House, you you basically can have a tanning bed in your backyard. <laughs> I mean, that seems to be the case. <laughs> oh, what a dumb premise, too. There's, like, a scene. Honestly, they never showed the diner before he dies. They did briefly. Yeah, but I mean, like, very briefly. Mm-hmm. And yet, later, like, when they accidentally tear some of the wallpaper off, and you see, like, oh, <laughs> she just wallpapered over the old wallpaper <laughs> that had meaning, that, you know, from the father. <laughs> That's so dumb, because they've never shown, like, all these quotes and stuff written on the walls. Yeah. And then they tear the wallpaper off, and of course, she has that moment where she's like, oh, my God. Right. Things that my dad said. <laughs> <laughs> this is my dad's diner. I don't know. That's dumb. Also, how the father dies in general is dumb because one minute he's like reading a book to his daughter. Well, that's stupid in and of itself because the book, I guess, ties into this whole thing where he basically says, one day you'll meet your prince. And like she keep, like carries that with her forever about like how she's going to one day meet a prince. The more moronic thing about it is that she said, like, where will I find my prince? And he says, Princeton, where right, the right. princes go. <laughs> and then she decides as a decision right there at six that she's now going to do everything in her power to go to Princeton. Right. And by 18, she still has the goal to go to Princeton based on this idea that that's where princes go. But it's bad. I I was going to try to defend it for a second and it's not even worth defending. Well, so that's one aspect of this. Yeah, that's, that's really dumb. That's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it, though, is that he's reading that story. The next scene, he dies in an earthquake. And by dies in an earthquake, I mean, like, he's standing by a door frame and it shakes a little bit and it doesn't look like anything major. And you're like, wow, they really escaped a bad one there. Next scene, he's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing even hits him, does it? No. (laughs) It's literally just shaking a little bit. Just a little shake. And it's not like the whole house is crashing down. Yeah. They should have at least implied he he got hit in the head with debris or something. Yeah. I mean, really, all that happens is the snow globe breaks. Yeah, but it didn't even hit him in the head. Nope. That would have been the way to do it, right? The (laughs) snow globe that he gave her hits hits him in the head and he dies. Uh, But nope, that's not what they went with. Uh, I don't know. That's stupid. The dad, uh, it's fine. I'm glad that he died early because the actor is like, I'm sure he's in other things too, but he's like a budget dad actor. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. He's basically like a budget Dennis Quaid or Jason Bateman or... Somebody else that would play that type of dad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we kind of get into the the meat of the story, which is that her dad dies. She's being raised by her evil stepmother and her, which has her two evil step siblings. And that she is on a uh, chat room for people who want to go to Princeton. Yep. And she makes... A friend in there who happens to be Austin Ames, a.k.a. Chad Michael Murray. Who also wants to go to Princeton, even though I don't know why so many people want to go to Princeton. I guess because it's an Ivy League school or whatever, but it's like the furthest away, right? It's like the exact opposite side of the country. 
Yeah. It's weird because like his dad wants him to go USC. Yeah. Right. That's like his obsession, which USC is really hard to get into. Right. And extremely expensive. It's a private school. You know, like it's not like a simple local college. Right. That, right. <laughs> like that's what the whole scandals are about. Right. <laughs> People trying to get into colleges like USC. <laughs> so, I mean, for for him to just randomly want to go from Southern California to Princeton, I don't know. Uh, a lot of people seem to be wanting to go to Princeton. And it seems like Princeton, you know, obviously desirable college. It's not like on the top of people's list necessarily in terms of like when you want to move across country and go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Normally it's somewhere in like New York or it's Harvard, you mm-hmm. know, or something like that. But yeah, yeah. but that doesn't have the word Princeton on it. So true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we have to talk about some of the conversations between uh, Austin and I keep calling her Lizzie McGuire. I have no clue what her name was in this. I honestly can't remember either. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like when we came back, I almost said, and we're back from watching Lizzie McGuire movie. <laughs> it does feel very similar. Yeah. Um, but um, one of the ones that we loved is as they're like, because now that they've taken it off the chat room and like have exchanged phone numbers, so like they text. Yep. And by text, I mean T9 text from, yep. <laughs> from your small Nokia days. And like, you know, you could hear them their inner monologue, like saying what they're actually typing. One of our good ones that we loved was when she was like laughing out loud, but it was spelling LOL. Yeah. She like literally said it as she wrote it. (laughs) I I wrote that one down. It's one of my favorite things they said. Also, one of the conversations they had is like, oh, wait, this is actually like when they meet at the dance. So I'll save it. Um, No, I'm just going to say it. So we're just going to skip around for a second. (laughs) So the culmination comes when... Lizzie McGuire, I can't, oh my God, I cannot think of her name. It's Kate? Fine. Kate, maybe? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not good with names. I don't remember hardly anybody's name See, at the I'm end of it. I'm really great with names, so this is what's killing me that I keep calling her Lizzie McGuire. No. Okay. Like at the end of a movie, I rarely know okay. the names. All right. From here forward, I know that Hilary Duff's character does not play a character named Lizzie. Henceforward, in this podcast, her name is Lizzie. Okay. okay? <laughs> so. Lizzie's going to go to the dance to meet uh, her guy at 11 p.m., which is really late for, like, a high school dance to still be going on. Yeah, incredibly late. It's not kind of weird? Like, that's, like, when we were getting, like, shut down. Yeah, it, that makes no sense. I, I wrote the same thing because that's normally when the school dances are over. And it, for that scene, too, she was supposed to be working at the diner. And mm-hmm. I guess she had, like, a midnight shift or something like that because she has to, like, sneak out to go to this really, really late yeah dance like it it makes no sense because she could have either worked an earlier shift and been off for mm-hmm. the dance or i don't know and, and well she was gonna be off for the dance and fiona made her work that specific shift yeah, yeah but anyways so spoiler we got sean's shot in the dark to see a try on uh montage it wasn't to try on cooler clothes but it was to try on costumes for this dance that obviously was in costumes I don't. I don't really understand why it was almost like a prom, but, but we're like homecoming. Hall- but like a Halloween <laughs> contest. Yeah, it was like know. a prom because it's also toward the end of the year when everybody's trying to go to college. But it, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why they were all wearing costumes. Yeah, and it makes sense. Anyway, she finds her quotes Cinderella ball gown, and the way she, of course, conceals her identity is with a white masquerade mask. Mm-hmm. Can't tell it's her whatsoever beyond that. Yeah, and the whole premise, too, is just, like, with Cinderella, she's, like, the forgettable one who's actually, like, really beautiful and everybody loves her the most, but but only when they don't know who she is, right? Right. I don't ever understand that because in the scene where 
he meets her and then he realizes that this is the person I've been because mm-hmm. like, they plan on meeting up right mm-hmm. and at the school dance or whatever and he doesn't know who he's been talking to on AIM mm-hmm. basically because it's like a anonymous mm-hmm. uh, thing though uh, and, and she doesn't know either that it's him or whatever they kind of play him up to be kind of a bully but he's never really a bully it's like the people around him are bad and like his ex-girlfriend slash current girlfriend sometimes is like kind of you know more of like a bully sometimes mm-hmm. I, I don't know i don't really understand they keep trying to play that up so that you think there's a reason why lizzie <laughs> <laughs> why hillary duff would dislike him mm-hmm. but he never really does anything to that that would be the case mm-hmm. and then they definitely play up that he's supposed to be like oh my god it's that girl mm-hmm. but like why yeah it's like because she she's lives with her girl. stepmom. <laughs> like I don't understand. Like it's all because she's diner girl. Oh uh, right. So that is the the premise is mm-hmm. that she works in a diner. But mm-hmm. like, don't a lot of high schoolers have like part time jobs? <laughs> <You would think. laughs> and I that's not know. that like weird of one, right? Like <laughs> yeah, she like I, serves coffee. I don't even know. But uh, yes, the most egregious thing is that we supposedly don't know who she is because she has a small white mask around her eyes. The other egregious thing is, like, they're, like, walking and talking. And, like, at this point, like, reminder, Austin Ames has no clue who she is because of that white mask. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, like, they're doing, like, their, like, flirty, like, talking thing. And he's like, okay, serious question. Would you prefer a rice cake or a Big Mac? <laughs> She's like, a Big Mac? He's like, oh. Wow, I love that you say that. Girls don't ever say that. And I just want to put an exclamation point on how horrible it was being a girl in the early 2000s. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is the type of shit we had to deal with. Well, so we brought this up too when that happened because this was the epitome of starting those commercials of like Paris Hilton in a bikini eating a Big Mac. Yeah. Or like uh, like the Hardee's, like, you know, like double cheeseburger and it's like dripping yeah. sauce out as you chew it and all that stuff. That was a thing. Why was that a thing? Like literally these people who maybe eat one leaf of lettuce a day, yeah. especially Paris Hilton that time when she weighed like 90 pounds. And then she here she is pretending that she eats a Big Mac. I don't know. You should go ask other men because that's what it was tailored for. Well, I mean, like, I understand the the premise of, like, the sex appeal Mm -hmm. that they were going for. I don't understand, like, what specifically about, like, what is the fetish about a woman eating a hamburger? That's what I don't understand. That's that's the aspect of it that I never got. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, you're also getting close to a scene that we replayed multiple times. You are. Um, Correct. (laughs) Because when they're out walking, they wind up in, like, a gazebo type area that he set up. And you know what he set up? A quartet. I think it's a quartet. It was one of those ensembles. <laughs> a group of musicians are outside, and they begin to play an orchestral version of I'll Be. By Edwin McCain. Yep. And, you know, it actually sounds pretty cool because, like, they're playing an orchestral mm-hmm. version of this. And all of a sudden, they just start playing the regular song <laughs> over it. Instead of, like, keeping with the idea that you're hearing what the actor, like, what the people are hearing, right? Which would be the the people playing, like, a violin and a guitar or whatever they just switch full on to the actual song i don't understand that yeah i mean it's just because like so many like teen girls were wanting to build that in movie theater and they were just indulging them but also that's the second time they played that song yep also i looked it up when it came on and we're re-watching that scene multiple times according to sonfacts.com dr phil's viewers rated this as the number one wedding song 
This is also a breakup song. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you know, we went on YouTube and, and watched this after. And one of the things that we found when we did that was an interview with Edwin McCain. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Where he basically said, like, I don't know, understand why people think this is a love song. Yeah, he said he wrote it after our breakup. And he was like, it's about being like, I'll be a fan for you. Like, I'll cheer you on because we can't be together. Right. Uh, and in particular, how he had all these like failed relationships and he always thought there was something wrong with them. And so like, <laughs> he doesn't want to like damage other people's lives. Right. And so he's going to like, <laughs> it's like how uh, Gregan Day, Good Riddance is like the number one, like graduation song. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but anyway, also with that song, we did also look up the lyrics to the song because there was a little bit of confusion <laughs> about what the lyrics were. Um, because in, the main chorus. Oh man! You have "I'll be your crying shoulder," mm-hmm. and I always thought it was "I'll be your crying soldier." <laughs> <laughs> but why? Because <laughs> that's what I heard. Yeah. Well, man. And then I'll be love suicide. And that's correct. It is. Yeah. Oh, I thought we figured out it was something else. No, that that part's correct. Uh-huh. Uh, there were a lot of other lyrics that were very, very wrong. Yeah. From what we remember. But <laughs> I never thought it was crying soldier. <laughs> uh, anyways. Uh, yeah. I wish we had videoed or recorded us trying to guess the lyrics and then looking them up. Because that was quite a pause into the movie. That's true. But at the end is where we really figured it out. And we got all the lyrics. I read the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> Verbatim. Yeah. That was rough. Well, if you need to uh, have a soundtrack for this song, go listen to that song. Yeah. Also, somebody who was in this movie who had no business being in this movie because she's way too good of an actress. And that's Regina King. Regina King, wonderful. I don't know what her agent did to her to make her be in this movie or like what she did to her agent for her agent to be like, yeah, you should totally do this. This woman endures being called Betty Crocker from the hood by Jennifer Coolidge's character, which was woof. Hard yeah. to watch. There were a number of things like that throughout this movie. There's also a scene where uh, Hillary Duff's friend, who's always changing his, his clothes because he's like a theater type person. He's always trying out new method acting like with characters mm-hmm. or whatever. There's one where he's in like a full-on Malibu most wanted like track suit with chain. He's like rapping a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like there's that scene. There's Oof. a lot of that type of stuff. Yeah, it was rough. Also, one of my favorite Regina King moments is so the dress that Hilary Duff ends up wearing is belonged to Regina King's character. But it's like a wedding dress or something. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it? Wasn't it like, yeah. like a wedding dress of a what relative or something? No, it was hers. It was her own? Yeah. Okay, because they look very similar in age mm-hmm. in this. <laughs> they don't look like, like they're drastically different ages. Yeah. Well, anyways, so when they're at her house to, you know, like locate the dress and like get ready... Um, you see that, like, Regina King's character, like, makes, like, some jewelry or something and whatever. Mm-hmm. And Hilary Duff goes, oh, you've always had a knack for taking something ordinary and making it beautiful. And then it becomes, like, an SNL sketch because, like, it pans out and just looks like a, like, a hoarder's craft daydream <laughs> in that house. Like, there was nothing very special. <laughs> That's true. Also, here, here's a question. If you went to prom... And somebody showed up wearing a wedding dress. <laughs> what do you think the reaction of the other students would be? 
especially if it wasn't just a wedding dress, but also like a Sailor Moon, like <laughs> like a little mask, like. <laughs> You know in Sailor Moon, the guy that wears, like, the tux, and he always no, has, like... I don't know what Sailor Moon is, but... Well, like, I know what it is, but I don't know anything about it. But he's it. always wearing this, like, little little mask like she is. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Um, okay, but emphasizing that this is a prom that also has a costume theme. Like, her friend was Zorro. And, like, I mean, you had people, like, dressed up, like, at bunnies and Siamese twins and right. stuff. So, I mean, it's not as weird. But if real prom, no costumes involved, a girl showed up in a wedding dress with or without a mask, that girl would be talked about by everyone behind her back. Well, she also didn't, it's not like she said, I'm going as Cinderella, right? Right. She didn't say she was going as anything. I guess she was going as a princess or something, but it was kind of unsaid. Mm -hmm. There's no real theme, whereas there is a theme for everybody else. So I, I don't know. I don't understand that part. Right. And then, uh, what's his face? Chad Michael Murray is one of the Three Musketeers, I think. Well, his friends are trying to be the Three Musketeers, and he just straight up did Prince Charming. Right, right, right. I remember now. Because they were angry at him that they dressed up as... Right. Yeah. So probably the last thing before we start getting into drinking rules and quality of movie was our friend Art LaFleur showed up. Oh, yeah, he did. As what, I don't remember, but I wrote down that he showed up. Yeah, he was in it. Anyways, he was Babe Ruth in our Sandman. Sandman. Wait, wait sorry. I'm thinking Spider-Man Sandlot. now. <laughs> he was not Sandman. <laughs> Sandlot. Sandlot. Um, so it was fun to have a crossover. Yeah. And he just recently died. I know. Like, literally, like, the week that we watched that movie. Yeah. So weird. Okay. What did you think about the drinking rules? Um, I thought they were pretty well. I think that Hiller Duff movies are good drinking movies. I had a ton of fun drinking to this. And it's like one of those, like, it just goes so off rails. And, like, it, it's fun to watch with someone or with people because it's so easy to make fun of. Yeah. And it's just, God. This is, like, the one, like, we've watched so many late 90s, early 2000s movies. And this is the one that just made me cringe the most in remembering what that time was like. Especially as a girl, like, with hormones. But in terms of drinking, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd give it, like, an 8. Yeah, I'd also give it an 8. That's what I was thinking. Because it it was easy to drink to... Like I said, before the podcast, we watched the Lizzie McGuire movie, and that was also a good drinking movie. Right. Uh, I think this was... It wasn't quite as good of a drinking movie as that, but I liked it a lot. I did, too. What about quality of movie? Quality of movie, not good. (laughs) The, The narrative doesn't make sense. In many ways, there's a lot of just random stuff. They definitely were just trying to make it fit this like pseudo Cinderella story narrative, but in a way that doesn't make any sort of sense. Right. So I don't know. I'd give it maybe a 25. It's not as bad as some of the bad movies we've watched, but Mm -hmm. it's not good. And it is confusing in many places. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So what's really funny is I originally gave this a 25 too, and then thought that I was being too ridiculous, so really? I gave it a 17. <laughs> oh, well, you have the same opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's not, a, like, the acting isn't across the board terrible, like some things we've watched. Like, House on Haunted Hill, or whatever that movie was called the other week, mm-hmm. the acting was way worse than that mm-hmm. from most people. And in this one, it wasn't to that level. Right. So, I mean, was it good? No. Well... I had a ton of fun watching these two movies. Yeah, I thought it was a good pairing. Well, next week is your movie night, isn't it? Yes. Do you know what we're watching? I do. Tell me more. Okay, so 
I've been thinking as we go into 2022, mm-hmm. I have been wanting a movie that captures my frustration with the last two to three New Year's. Okay. And so for my good movie, I'm choosing Groundhog Day. Very relevant. Because I feel like we have repeated mm-hmm. 20, like 2020 was 2021 <laughs> and 2021, <laughs> maybe 2022. <laughs> I feel like we are, it's like the same never ending cycle. Uh, have you ever seen Groundhog Day? It's been a really long time. I definitely was a kid and didn't appreciate it when I watched it. Okay. Well, I've seen it a couple of different times and not recently though. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bill Murray is the main actor in that mm-hmm. and it's a legitimately good movie. Mm-hmm. So that, that is my good movie. Uh, I think that you will appreciate it. We also just recently watched Scrooged and did you appreciate that? Um, ish. Bill Murray's better in Groundhog Day than he is in Scrooge, mm-hmm. but Scrooge yeah. is also very good. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see. Now, for a pairing, I was trying to think, I'm not going to go on a New Year's pairing or anything like that. There aren't many movies about it other than New Year's, mm-hmm. <laughs> the 2011 <laughs> movie that I have not seen. I had a number of different thoughts. Ghostbusters 2 is set uh, on New Year's. Uh, most of this stuff takes place on New Year's, uh, but we haven't watched the first one recently. Have you ever seen the first one? Well, so you definitely don't want to just jump into the second one. So I had to think, what else is Bill Murray in? So that would have been the best pairing. Mm -hmm. Bill Murray in Ghostbusters 2 and its New Year's theme. That would have hit all the boxes. Mm -hmm. But since I don't want to jump straight into that, I was trying to think, what has he been in that's bad? Rock the Casbah, really bad. The reviews on that are like a five. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know enough about it to choose that as the bad movie. Mm -hmm. So what I went with is what Bill Murray himself says. Is his worst movie. Oh, God, I know where this is going. Garfield. That's going to be an excellent bad movie. A joke that Bill Murray even makes in Zombieland. Yeah. (laughs) His one regret in life was Garfield, (laughs) which we'll get into some of his uh, comments on Garfield next episode. Oh, that'll be a good one. Yeah, it also has a pairing because there is a groundhog in Groundhog Day. You see a little fake groundhog that's supposed to be real. And Garfield is a cat. So two animals. Okay, I, I was lost in where you're going with that. I'm just saying that's another pairing. <laughs> okay. Another connection. So you have Bill Murray, right? Right. And you also have uh, animals that play a pivotal role in the movies. Okay. Yep. You could have just stopped at Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can't wait for that. That'll be good. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. See you then. All right. Bye. Bye.